So today I want to begin with the topic of creation and sexuality. Uh, this, is the, this first part of the lesson, most of what we'll do today, is really going to be an introduction to the topic generally. And I want to begin by reading Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to man, to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The word of the Lord. There are few issues, if any, that are impacting the church today any more than than those surrounding the subject of sexuality. The centrality and power of sexuality encompasses a broad range of topics that touch the lives of every individual, every relationship, every family, every church, every community. Our sexuality can be a great force for good and an equally destructive force. People, marriages, families, careers die every day due to these matters. Many more are harmed beyond recognition. While Hollywood glamorizes certain aspects of sexuality, it denies many others. Together, it offers a picture which is a lie, which is an illusion. The devil is the father of lies. I hope that in this series we can pull the curtain back and expose some of these lies. Children of all ages are being sucked in every day, boys and girls, your children, church children, children from godly homes, children from Christian schools, uh, children from home schools, the best children, good children, the children you least expect. The problem is way bigger than most people imagine. That is, until it's too late. Then there are only deep sorrows and regrets. As a pastor, and I know from talking with many other pastors as well, that much of my time is spent dealing with the consequences of some kind of sexual sin. 
lust, porn, fornication, adultery, and a very, very long list of other things that I will not mention. If you think I or pastors are naive, I'm not. If you think I'm trying to scare you, I am. To underestimate this danger is to expose yourself and to expose your loved ones to potential harm, potential ruin. This is fire, and fire cannot be played with. To add to that, the world is now filled with gas cans. And so it's time for us all to be informed and to aggressively address these problems. It's always easier to remain uninformed, uh, especially on uncomfortable or difficult topics. But we all need real discernment. Charles Spurgeon has a great line, and I, I want to quote him here. He says, discernment is not simply a matter of telling the difference between what is right and wrong, Rather, it is the difference between telling what is right and what is almost right. Ignorance is not bliss. It is deadly. And so I urge you, I beg you, to take this seriously. Save yourself Save your family the heartache that comes from getting this wrong and the destruction that comes from carelessness. You see, there's a certain destruction that comes from willful negligence, from open disobedience, from rebellion, from just outright just doing the wrong thing and being foolish, but there is a there, there sometimes is an equal destruction that can come from just being careless, from just being uninformed, from, from not, uh, doing, not doing your due diligence, and then acting surprised when things go badly. And so we have an enormous problem. We have an elephant in the room, and the church has been silent for way too long. She hasn't always been silent, but our current pietism and Gnosticism that has divided the spiritual from the physical has, in fact, pushed us into the corner. I know of pastors who have been criticized for having broached this subject from the pulpit. They dared to preach the Word of God, and it offended our sensibilities. While the world bombards us constantly from every direction, the world's version of sexuality seeps in from every direction all the time. But then, we're afraid to speak up. But it is past time to speak up. It is time to speak out. Now, in this series of lessons... I intend to speak on the subject of sexual purity. 
The theology of sexuality requires us to think about this subject the way God thinks about it. That's what theology is, learning to to find out what God thinks about any given subject and then to conform our thoughts to his thoughts. And so we will be considering the creation of sexuality. And then it will be necessary, because of the world we live in, to look at the perversion of that sexuality as it was created. And then finally, the redemption of sexuality. We're called to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10. And so we should be looking to use, this, use biblical vocabulary, and I have to tell you that for some people that will be a challenge. Many of us are uncomfortable with even using the words associated with this subject which tells us something about what we really think. The Bible has no hesitancy about speaking to this subject, even in what some would consider graphic terms. Now, I recognize the need to veil certain things. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, Verses 8 through 18, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth, and it is here to shine the light of God's word on the deeds of darkness, and while we should and will have, the discre- have discretion not to describe all the deeds of darkness out uh, to describe them in a public way, we had better not be ignorant of their existence. The devil you don't know is far worse than the devil you do know. One of the reasons our culture is in the sexual mess it's in is because the church has at times become more prude than God and hasn't clearly spoken to this essential area of life. When this happens, the world is very happy to fill that void. If there's any hope of turning the tide on this subject... We're going to have to get used to talking about it with each other and with our children. I'd like to note that many parents and pastors dread and fear the talk. Well, first of all, there shouldn't be the talk. There should be a conversation. There should be lots of talks. Don't think, well, I had the talk and now I'm done. Glad that's over with. 
Glad they didn't have any questions. You should be very unhappy if there weren't any questions. Let me assure you that the talk is far easier, far easier than some of the talks that come later as a result of having not talked. Now, I know that parents and others have radar that goes up when this subject is mentioned. Maybe you did in coming here this morning. What's he going to say? And in many cases, this is a good thing to have that kind of radar. In fact, I wish more people had better radar more often than they do. But there can also be a problem if, in the name of protection... In the name of protection, we fail to equip our children to live in this world and therefore ultimately fail to protect them. Naivete is not a defense, much less a strategy for overcoming the corruption of our culture. As we approach this subject in the context of a family gathering The goal is godly equipping of the saints for service. Sometimes we think we're going to keep our children pure by keeping them ignorant. However, if we expose them in a biblical way, then we are actually protecting them. We are putting them in a position to understand what's true, what's right, what's beautiful, And we're not hiding it from them so that they seek information somewhere else. They must also be able to distinguish good from evil. How do you do that? Do you think that comes naturally, to distinguish good from evil? The Bible says no. There are many people who call evil good and and many who call good evil. And I think that's certainly been the case with many Christians when it comes to this subject. We've called evil what God calls good. Hebrews 5 gives us the answer. He says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. They don't know their Bibles. So if I ask the question this morning, Do you know what the Bible says about sexuality? And if the answer is, I think so, or maybe, or no then pay attention here because he goes on to say that those who are unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are a full age, who are mature. Are you mature when it comes to this subject and what the Bible says about it? That, that is, those who by reason of use have had their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, if you don't know God's Word, you cannot discern, you can't tell the difference between good and evil. So we have a world full of people who look at evil and say, I don't see anything wrong with that. The God of this world has blinded their eyes as he blinded yours. I don't see anything wrong with that, or perhaps on the other side, something that God's called good. Oh, we can't talk about that. 
The Bible is what tells us where we need to be. Ignorance and innocence are not the same thing. Ignorance and innocence are not the same thing. Ignorance will inevitably lead to disaster. Either because ignorance is going to cause our children to stumble into something that they were unaware of, or their ignorance and their desire to know is going to lead them to seek answers when no one else is looking, especially you, and that is a very, very dangerous situation for them to be in. When it comes to this subject, I cannot count how many times I have had children and adults tell me that what they did, they did because they were curious. So godly information placed in a godly context that sets forth that which is true, that which is beautiful and pure, makes sexuality attractive in the right context. The Bible, unlike Hollywood, shows us the dark side of sinful sexual expression. Somebody is going to teach your children on this subject. It's important that they are taught the truth. It's important that they are taught without us acting like we need to be ashamed of what we're talking about. Think about this. Everything new feels odd. Even good things, right? I've never done that before. It feels odd. It feels strange. Sometimes delightfully strange. Sometimes repulsively strange. But pretty much everything that's new feels odd. And uncomfortable, perhaps. And so the only way to get past that is to do it enough that it's no longer new. Now, that can be bad if what you're doing is sinful, and you say, oh, it felt really, I felt horrible the first time I did that, and I felt only mildly repulsed the second time, and then finally I got so numb to it that uh, I could sin and not feel bad. Now, that's, that's the sinful aspect of this. But on the righteous side, God calls us to do many things that are hard, challenging, may cause us fear, that we have to step out on faith, we have to be obedient to Him. Obedience is often a scary thing. And we have to do that, and we have to do it enough that it no longer feels odd. And so, the way to get past it is to do it. It's very possible for us to think that somehow the Word of God has gone too far and that we know a little bit better. We want to draw the lines a little further back than where God does. And people do this all the time. It's really a form of Phariseeism and legalism. They do it with alcohol or makeup or modesty. Uh, we've got all kinds of policemen in the world who've got a, got a list that they've come up with that says, yeah, God said this, but I think just to be careful, uh, we're going to draw the line ten steps further back. Yet wisdom calls for us to be discerning in all directions. It is no better to fall in the ditch on the right than it is the left. Errors always, always produce bad results because ideas have consequences, even if they're well-intentioned. 
Oh, I was just trying to protect my children. Well, perhaps you weren't protecting your children. You may have intended to, but if you hadn't read your Bible and you hadn't thought about this subject from a biblical standpoint and you hadn't taught that to your children, then you were not protecting your children. You're to talk about the Word how often? When they rise up, when they lie down, when, they, when you walk in the way. Put it over the doorpost of your house. It is to permeate the life of your house on every subject, but on this subject as well. Errors always produce bad results. We're to find out where the truth is and to stay on it. We have to know what God has revealed and then conform our thoughts to His. We're not free to err to either side of this or any other issue. Deuteronomy 5, 32-33 instructs us, saying, Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you that you may live and that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. So when it comes to this subject, which is, is a, just one subject out of all the subjects, but when it comes to this subject, we're not to go to the left or to the right because if we do what the Bible is telling us, if we don't do that, if we stay where we should stay, then all is going to go well with you sexually. Do what God says to do. Know what He says to do. Do what He says to do, and it'll go well with you. That you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. We have some challenges before us in having these conversations. But it is important for us to lay out the map and see where the problems are to get an aerial view of it and then we need to zoom in on some of the particulars so that we can start to address some of the critical social issues regarding sexual purity. Many aspects of sexuality are personal and private and should remain that way. But many other aspects of sexuality are not simply personal and private. They are spoken of in the Bible. There are community and public aspects of sexuality. In fact, one of the myths about sexuality is that it is only private and that it perhaps doesn't even impact others. We hear people argue that you can do whatever you want to do as long as it's between consenting adults in the privacy of their home. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. These things should be addressed in a public way. Wisdom directed by God's Word is going to enable us to know the difference. The problem comes when we confuse these two things. Because some parts are private and personal, we end up not speaking to any of the issues. For example, the theology of sexuality is very public. God has thought about human sexuality, and he speaks openly about it. We have been conditioned in our circles to think that these things are things we just don't talk about. 
And in doing this, we have often thrown the baby out with the bathwater. We've not shown wisdom in addressing these issues, which has left a vacuum that the world is all too anxious to fill. So when it comes to little children, we might assume that this is strictly an adult conversation. Little, but I'd like to suggest or remind you, though, that at some level, little children are sexual also. You know, little boys and little girls, male and female. And it's important for them to understand those distinctions and to be instructed and to develop biblical perspectives and attitudes. Little children don't hear these things with the understanding and context that adults have. You've heard me use this illustration in another context, but a, a father at a, at a baseball game uh, with his four-year-old son, uh, and they, there's a grand slam, and it's a game-winning game, game uh, game uh, hit, and the crowd's going crazy. Both the little boy and the father saw the same thing. But the little boy doesn't know how to interpret. He doesn't know what a home run is. He doesn't know uh, about the pennant race. He doesn't know how, how the standings are. He doesn't know the significance of what he just saw. And so much of what happens sails over people's heads, little kids. You know. So don't freak out every time uh, you know, someone has, uh, if we're having a conversation here, everything has got to be received as well as heard. And so we want to be careful in how we say things, but don't panic about those things. Okay? Have conversations. If you have good conversations, as you know, with little kids, a lot of times a short answer uh, to a, a question is sufficient. Okay, so just learn to have talks. So if, if after uh, from these Sunday school classes, if your kids go home and they want to ask a question, don't get worried about it. If you don't know, uh, get some help. If you know, come up with an answer that's appropriate for their age. And it's okay to say, you know what, we'll talk about that later. Okay, there's a lot of ways to handle this, but we need to handle it, is my point. But teenagers absolutely need to hear these things. If we think that they're not thinking about these things on a regular basis, then we are really missing the boat. Yes, your little princess has such thoughts. We want, what we want is for our children to grow up in homes where the discussion of sexuality is available, where questions can be asked and answers given, and we must not be embarrassed about what God has called good. We should be willing and able to address those things which are sinful, and we must not stick our head in the sand. It is essential for us to embrace the sexuality that God has given us in a way that is pure, that is godly, and is not ashamed. Our goals are to not only protect our children from sin and harm, but to deliver them as sexually pure adults to their spouses, where they might truly glorify God with not just their spirits, but with their bodies, where they will know the joys of marital love and faithfulness, where we will see our children's children filling the earth 
with more happy and healthy homes. Let me close by just reemphasizing where I started. Sexuality is everywhere all the time. As we're going to see, it shows up in the first chapter of the Bible. We read about it today. God made them in his image, male and female. And he did it because it was beautiful, because it was good, because it's powerful. It changed the world. And then sin messed everything up. And now we have this nuclear weapon in the hands of sinners. We take the thing that was good, that was designed to fill the earth with goodness and glory, and has turned it into something to destroy. We need to know the difference. That's discernment. That's wisdom. We need to think like Christians when it comes to this subject. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you don't allow us to remain in our ignorance but have given us all that we need to be able to live in this world, to see it the way we're supposed to see it, to, to attack and conquer and overcome that which has perverted it, and in Jesus Christ and in the gospel to bring about redemption in every area of life, including this area of sexuality. Bless this series of studies now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.